0: Alright, I want to welcome all of you who are here today and those who are watching online, great to have you with us. We're in a series here at Hope Community Church on the book of Isaiah called The God We Can Trust. It has been an awesome series so far over the last three weeks. And we have learned how trusting in God can bring us freedom from fear, how it can strengthen us to endure if you're going through some hard things, and it can comfort us with the good news that Jesus Christ has more than forgiven all of our sin. This is the God we can trust. And you'll hear more about the the good news next week and the beauty of sharing that good news with others. But today I want to talk about uh, the God we can trust to bring justice to the earth. Now, we live in a great nation under a powerful vision of liberty and justice for all. And I really believe that as human beings living in a broken world, we have a deep desire for justice in our heart. And maybe you've been in your car and you've seen somebody defy traffic laws. Have you ever want somebody to get caught? Huh? I have. Uh, one time my family and I were driving and uh, we were on the ramp to get onto the turnpike. It wasn't just us, there was a nice long, single-file line of traffic, you know, everybody's waiting to get onto the highway. Well, there was a guy behind me who couldn't wait. And uh, saw a car just kind of angrily break out of the line, and uh, they start tearing down the right-hand shoulder as fast as they can, passing everybody. You know, they're kind of off the road, on the road, uh, just going as fast as they can. Well, since they were... Passing on the right, they had to cut somebody off to get onto the turnpike. Well, the the person they happened to cut off was an unmarked police car, and the lights came on. It was fantastic. I was cheering so loud in my car, uh, pulling the car over and. People were so happy. You know, there were, there were cars in front of me where they were rolling down their windows and pumping their arms out the windows in celebration. You know, that's how we like to see justice served, like cake. We have a hunger to see justice in the world. We do. And that could be bringing an end to human trafficking. And one of the, the uh, global partners we support is Justice Ventures International and would you give to Hope Community Church, it supports the work of bringing justice around the world. It's not, it's not just around the world, right? That can happen here. Or, or maybe there's a, a desire in your heart to see the end of racism, and that's something you know we think about a lot these days. Or, or maybe you want to protect preborn children from the horrific injustice of abortion. Are we not desiring today? a more just and joyful world, How do we get there? The Bible has the answer for that. Isaiah 42, you know, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42. That's where we'll be today. How do we see a more just and joyful world? Isaiah 42, verses one through seven. This is what it says. Here is my servant, whom I'm uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will what? Bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged Till he establishes justice on the earth. Are you guys seeing the theme today? Right? He mentions justice three times here. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Those are the far off places. The islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people. And life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you, the servant, in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from the prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Wow, what an amazing passage! Isn't that? God who's bringing justice to the earth. As we look at Isaiah 42 today, I want to share three powerful truths about justice. We all want to see more justice in the world. Here are three powerful truths that we'll look at. Number one, Jesus establishes justice. Number two, the Bible educates us about justice. Number three, a changed life enables justice. Justice is coming, and we can be a part of it. That's what we're talking about today. So let's pray. And we'll dive in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for prophetic passages like this. Thank you that, that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. You speak, and the mountains melt like wax, the you know, the rocks crumble. God, you are powerful. So speak powerfully into our hearts. Let justice break forth, God, from your people, from your church. Let us be a light. To the world. So, would you teach us about your plan and your mission to bring justice to our world? We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at these three truths about justice. Number one, Jesus establishes justice, Jesus will establish justice on the earth. So, we now get into the prophecies about the servant. Here in the book of Isaiah. Look at Isaiah 42, 1. God says, Here is my servant. The servant in the book of Isaiah is a special figure, a messianic figure. We have four servant songs in the book of Isaiah fulfilled in Jesus. You can see the passages up there. Isaiah 42, 1 through 9, 49, 1 through 13, 50, verses 4 through 9 and 52.13 through 52.12. So who is this servant? God says, here is my servant. Who is this servant? How do we know it's Jesus? Well, the Bible lets us know, and if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew 12, just to take a look at this. Matthew 12, if you have your Bible, keep your finger in Isaiah 42. We'll be back there in just a sec, but if If you go to Matthew 12, if you have your Bible here, um, verse 15, the heading for this section is God's chosen servant. And Matthew describes the ministry of Jesus. He gives us a summary. And then in verse 17, he says this, this ministry of Jesus was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah Here is my servant whom I have chosen. And Matthew, if you look, he quotes Isaiah 42, what we just read, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. So this provides us the confirmation that that the servant of Isaiah 42 is in fact Jesus of Nazareth. That's pretty amazing. 700 years before Jesus was born, we have this awesome prophecy of Isaiah 42. And as Matthew begins to look at the ministry of Jesus and summarizes the ministry of Jesus, and we'll see this in a minute, see that Jesus fulfills it perfectly. Jesus is the servant of the book of Isaiah. In fact, last semester when we were talking about the book of Isaiah, we we said that, Isaiah has been called a fifth gospel. The gospels tell us the story of Jesus. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go ahead and add the Old Testament book of Isaiah to the gospels. That's how much Isaiah talks about Jesus. 700 years before he was born. You can't make this stuff up. Isaiah today, in Isaiah 42, will give us a true presentation of the ministry and mission of Jesus Christ. So let's head back to Isaiah forty-two. Because Jesus is the servant. So let's see how Isaiah describes the ministry of Jesus. And you'll see this reflected in the Gospels. We'll read it today, together, Isaiah forty-two, one through four. God says, Here is my servant, whom I'm uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice, and he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on you. Isn't it amazing how we see Jesus in this passage? Same thing that that Matthew saw when he quotes from this. God says, here is my servant. Jesus came as a servant, chosen and loved by God. When Jesus gets baptized, remember the heavens open and God speaks these words over Jesus. He says, this is my son whom I love, whom I delight, with with him I am well pleased. 700 years before Jesus is baptized, God has already spoken these exact words through the prophet Isaiah. And then God says, I will put my spirit on him At the same baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. Are you seeing it now? Here is my servant. Here is Jesus. Look at what it says next about Jesus. It says he will bring justice to the nations. Jesus is God's chosen and beloved servant. Will bring justice to the nations in a world with many calamities and many injustices, if we would only turn to Jesus, Jesus will cause justice to spring up. Have you been been hurt by someone? Have you been violated? Have you been discriminated against? Jesus will take up your cause. He will bring justice to the world. We, We can't expect man to do what only Jesus can do, Jesus will establish justice on the earth. But notice where the passage goes next. It tells us what the servant will not do in bringing justice to the earth. Look at this. It says he will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. Jesus brings justice, but notice not through anger not through violence, not through shouting on the streets. He will bring justice to the world through gentleness. He will bear with us. It says a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus came for the bruised and the broken. He will not despise the weak, or the sinner And that's all of us We're all bruised reeds We all need Jesus And this passage tells us That we can bring all of our needs to Jesus Just like in the Gospels And he will meet us with the greatest love And tenderness And compassion You see in Jesus Isaiah 42 Jesus may be meek But may make no mistake Jesus is not weak. And that justice we long for in the world will come through the resurrected Jesus Christ. He is the King of glory. And he will bring justice to the world. In fact, we get a double confirmation at the end where it says, in faithfulness, in faithfulness he will bring forth justice. I love that. And then this is powerful. He will not falter or be discouraged until he brings justice to the earth. Is Jesus going to give up? Is he going to quit? Absolutely not. The universe is on the side of justice. Justice is coming. Jesus establishes justice. So, what an amazing glimpse we have here of Jesus in Isaiah 42. He is the servant of God who will bring justice on the earth. Do you guys think God cares about justice? Absolutely, right? He will not falter or get, or get discouraged. So we see it here, but let me just add a few other scriptures to this because this is a big theme in scripture. I love the Lord, excuse me. I love, I the Lord love justice. That's Isaiah 61.8. I'll say it again. I the Lord love justice. All his ways are justice. Moses praises God in Deuteronomy 32.4. I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. Psalm 140.12. Our God is radically committed to justice. And we don't just see that in the scripture, we see it in the cross. We think about a God who loves justice. He cannot clear the guilty. A God who loves justice cannot leave sin unpunished, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't be just. So even as we cry out for justice on the earth, we actually condemn ourselves because we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all broken God's law. So for God to be just, he has to bring justice to the earth. But isn't it, you know, praise God, our God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of love. And in the greatest act of love and justice ever seen in the history of the world, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, innocent of all sin, bore the punishment for our sin by dying on the cross. The the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him. And he didn't falter, and he didn't get discouraged until justice was established on earth, praise the Lord. So that through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we might be forgiven. We might be declared righteous in God's sight, praise God. We might have an everlasting life with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the work of the servant. Thank you, Lord. Right? Justice and love meet in the cross of Jesus Christ. And He pays it all for us. Justice matters to God. It matters to Jesus. What does that mean for us today? If justice matters to God, should justice matter to us? Yeah, absolutely. So how do we work towards justice in the world? How do we learn about justice? Number one, we look to Jesus. Jesus establishes justice. Number two, We wanna read the Bible because the Bible educates us about justice. The Bible educates us about justice. So without a doubt, one of the hottest topics in our culture today is justice. And we've all heard cries for justice, whether that's racial justice, or environmental justice, or LGBTQ justice, and our culture, Is presenting certain ideas of justice and saying this is how we can begin to put justice to work in our public policy. Now, wherever this idea comes from, and justice is a good thing, we want, we affirm that desire for justice in our culture today, but wherever those ideas are coming from, whether they're from the Democrats or from the Republicans or from your high school teacher. It really doesn't matter to me We want to bring all of our questions about justice to the Word of God right there is only one thing that is true and infallible and that is the Word of God right there there is only one final authority for us as believers in Jesus For life, liberty, and the pursuit of justice. And that is the Holy Word of God. So I'm just going to get right to the point. Proverbs 28.5. Listen to this. Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand it completely. That just gets right to the point, doesn't it? We cannot understand justice by listening to an ungodly culture. There is only one way for us to have a complete understanding of justice. I'm not saying there's nothing you can learn from our culture, but I'm saying if you want a complete understanding of justice, then let's seek the God of justice. Let's open up the word of God. Let's get to know the heart of a God who will not falter until justice comes to the earth. See, what I think doesn't matter. What culture says doesn't matter. The only opinion that matters is the eternal word of God. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Any other foundation for justice in this world, besides the word of God, and I'm going to be bold in saying this, it's shaky and unstable. It is shaky and unstable. You guys have heard the nominee for the next Supreme Court justice is uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. She is the first black woman to be nominated to the high court, which I think is pretty awesome. Yet the very first black woman nominated to the Supreme Court last week when asked if she could provide a definition for the word woman said, I can't. How do we we protect women from discrimination if we can't even define the word woman? Well, she says, I'm not a biologist. Okay, I think if it's a matter of biology, then we have our answer. Genesis 127, God said that he created humanity, male and female. And if we can't get that right, how are we going to get justice right? It's going to be a lot of confusion if we can't get that right. If we want a just world built on a solid foundation, we need to open up the scriptures and look to the word of God. The Bible educates us about justice. We see this in Isaiah 42. I'll read read Isaiah 42.4 here from a more literal ESV translation. Isaiah 42.4, God says this about Jesus. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So this is pretty cool. As God brings his kingdom, as he establishes justice, Justice on the earth? What are the nations waiting for? What are the faraway coastlands waiting for? What does it say? It says they're waiting for God's law. And we see this back in Isaiah 2 as well. This great, you know, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest mountain, and the nations are streaming up to the, to the mountain of the Lord, and the law of God, the Torah, is going out to the nations. And what is the result? Worldwide peace and justice, swords beaten into plowshares, all of that. It's, it's amazing, it's mind blowing, and that's what God is doing in the world. But why is it that the justice we want to see in the world is so dependent upon God's law, His Torah, which broadly means all God's revelation, but most specifically, the first five books of Moses? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Why is justice so dependent upon God's law? Because in the law, we find God's standard for justice. We find God's principles for justice. And so here are a few. And you can learn for yourself as you go to the, as you go to the Bible. Right? God wants to educate us about justice. So here are a few principles for God's law. Number one. Human dignity and value. Human dignity and value. This comes right from the word of God. The whole human rights movement today, it echoes one of these key biblical things, which we find right here in Genesis 127, which says that God made us as humans in his image. Every human being on earth is an image bearer. And so that means we treat other human beings with dignity and value. Every life matters. Every life has dignity and worth. That comes right from the Old Testament law, Genesis 127. Human dignity and value. Number two, impartiality. That's Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 16, 19, Do not pervert justice or show partiality. So what is partiality? I looked it up on my phone this morning. What is partiality? Partiality is unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another, or favoritism. Unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another, favoritism. So if we believe in justice, We don't want partiality, right? To show partiality is injustice. Showing partiality on the basis of the color of somebody's skin is injustice. We call it racism, right? Showing partiality on the color of somebody's skin. Biblical justice does not show favoritism to the rich. It doesn't give preference to the poor. Biblical justice rests on a foundation of fairness and impartiality. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Why? Because the Bible says God shows no partiality. So in justice, we should see impartiality. Human dignity and value. Number two, impartiality. Number three, proportionality. And I think this is probably the one we're most familiar with. You've heard the uh, uh, Exodus 21:24 famously says, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Tooth? Proportionality. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We see that principle in scripture, but it's not, it's not there to be taken literally. It's there as a guideline. So in order to see justice, the Bible would say, we don't want to over punish somebody. We don't want to under-punish somebody or not punish somebody. That would be injustice. Justice requires, as we say today, the punishment fits the crime. And that's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The punishment fits the crime. That's justice. Human dignity and value. Impartiality. Proportionality, last one. Concern for the vulnerable. Concern for the vulnerable. Deuteronomy 10, 18 through 19. Now, once again, this comes right from the heart of God. Deuteronomy 10.18 tells us God executes justice for the orphan and the widow. He shows his love for the stranger. There's a church that has a big heart for the orphan. Um, we mentioned help the children earlier. You know, they serve orphans and those who are vulnerable. These three groups, orphan, widow, and stranger. Are code in the Bible for the most vulnerable people. Uh, in Israelite society, they had no land. And so these vulnerable groups, you, you can look to the, a vulnerable group, almost like a, a canary in the coal mine. Have you heard that phrase before? The most vulnerable are the canary in the coal mine when it comes to the justness of a society. And so God commands special care for the the vulnerable to ensure that they're receiving justice. There's a concern for the poor, the vulnerable, and the broken. And so I share some of these principles because there's such a beauty to God's law. There's such a heart for justice in the Word. And it has principles of justice that we can connect with our own passion to see justice in the Word. The founders did this. The founders reached to the Bible, particularly to God's law, to help create our nation's government and laws. What evidence do you have of that? Well, just go to Philadelphia. At the birthplace of our nation, check out the Liberty Bell. At the great symbol of our nation, what's, what's engraved on the top of the Liberty Bell? A Bible verse. Where does it come from? God's law they reach for the book of Leviticus. It's pretty awesome. Leviticus 25.10 Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto all inhabitants thereof. What a beautiful statement. That's God's heart for the world. Hey, proclaim liberty throughout all the land. Right from the Bible. As Desmond Tutu once said, Nobel Peace Prize winner, There's Nothing more radical. Nothing more revolutionary. Nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression oppression than the Bible. That's our Bible. Pretty awesome, right? Jesus establishes justice. The Bible educates us about justice. Don't look to culture to understand justice. Look to the Word of God. There's so many amazing principles in there. Number three, a changed life enables justice. So we can just confess here. We can't do this on our own. I can't do this on my own. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to change hearts. We need Jesus to change lives. And the servant in Isaiah 42 begins to go to work bringing this transformation to the world. Check out Isaiah 42. One last time, we'll pick it up in verses six and seven. God speaks to Jesus here and he says, I will make you to be a covenant for the people. Jesus is bringing a new covenant. Isaiah has no idea what that means. God's just like, keep writing. I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Won't just be Jews now coming to know the Savior. It's gonna be Gentiles too. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) What's Jesus going to do? Open eyes that are blind. Free captives from the prison. Release from the dungeon. Those who sit in darkness. You ever read that in the Gospels? Yeah, he's doing that when Jesus comes. So here in Isaiah, God says, my people are blind. I'm sending Jesus to open their eyes. Let me ask you a question. Are God's people literally blind? No. Remember when, remember when Isaiah, uh, God commissions Isaiah in chapter 6 and God says to Isaiah, hey, you're going go to go to a people and Jesus quotes this, they have eyes but they can't see, they have ears but they can't hear. Blindness and deafness, in other words, is a spiritual condition. It's a condition of the heart. It's somebody who doesn't, doesn't see God. They don't understand God. They don't know God. They're not listening for His word. That's a spiritual condition called spiritual blindness and deafness. Yet when Jesus comes in fulfillment of Isaiah 42, what does he do? He opens the eyes of the blind. He opens those who have blindness in their heart and he opens the eyes of those who have physical blindness. He does both. Why? Why? Isaiah 42, he's going to come. He's going to open our spiritual blindness. And Jesus comes like, yeah, I'll do that. And by the way, I'm going to heal some blind people. Why does he do that? Jesus opens the eyes of the blind, the physically blind. He touches the eyes of the blind man and opens his eyes because that is a sign of the new creation, A new creation is coming. God is making all things new. He is establishing justice on the world. All of that is coming. Do you understand? The world is changing now because of Jesus Christ. The new creation is coming, but where does it start? It starts in the human heart. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation the old has gone the new has come by faith in jesus christ we have a new life he's opened our eyes right because of the power of the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead so literally you carry new creation in your heart because the risen christ has come to change your life he makes his home in you through the power of the holy spirit So his transformation comes to the human heart, but it doesn't stop there, does it? Jesus came to change us on the inside so we could be a part of making all things new on the outside. And there is only one way to see justice in the world. It starts with me. It starts with my heart. It starts with With my biases, my struggles. He's got to change me on the inside. See, a changed life enables justice. We can't hope to see justice in the world without allowing God to make a change in us. But when that happens, we get to be servants of the servant in bringing his justice and his kingdom to the world around us. His kingdom will come. Justice will come. It's coming. And he will not falter or be discouraged. But we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of sharing his kingdom with others. And the day will come when Jesus makes all things new. And justice will be established on Even so, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Three truths about justice from Isaiah 42. Number one, Jesus establishes justice. We can't expect men to do what only Jesus can do. Number two, the Bible educates us about justice. And number three, a changed life enables justice. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a God who will not let injustice stand. You will not let injustice have this final word. Jesus, you are the final word. And you are the servant. And you will not shout or cry aloud in the street. A bruised reed you will not break. But we come today asking... For changed hearts, changed lives, changed world. We can't do it on our own. God, I pray that in all of the questions of justice that we face in our world today, help us to bring every one of those to you. Help us to test everything with the word of God so that we can bring true justice and righteousness to the world today. The word of God says that your throne is righteousness and justice. So we thank you, God, for that. Jesus, we thank you. You're coming to make all things new. Thank you that through the power of the resurrection, you can give us a new heart and a new life. Jesus, you said for us to see the kingdom, we have to be born again. And if there's anyone here today that doesn't have that new life in Christ, God, I ask that you would do that transformation now in Jesus' name. We put our trust in you. To be the God who brings justice to the world. Help us to serve you, the servant, in the great work that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.